Sorry about that. Uh, good morning, Lydia House. <laughs> uh, welcome, everyone, to the second Sunday of Advent. And we're going to start off this morning reading from Zechariah, uh, chapter 6, verse 12 and 13. And say to him, thus says the Lord of hosts, you, Joshua, behold, Look at, keep in sight, watch the man, the Messiah, whose name is the branch, for he shall grow up in his place, and he shall build the true temple of the Lord. Yes, you are building a temple of the Lord, but it is he who shall build the true temple of the Lord, and he shall bear the honor and glory as of the only begotten of the Father, and shall sit and rule upon his throne, and he shall be a priest upon his throne, and the council of peace shall be the two offices, priest and king. Lord, we thank you this morning. We thank you, Lord, that you are here we thank you, Lord, that you sent your son, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus, that you sent your Holy Spirit. And we thank you, Holy Spirit, that you lead us and guide us into all truth. We worship you this Advent season as we're getting ready to celebrate your birth. Jesus, we thank you. We thank you so much for your life, your miracles, your death, your resurrection that now brings us into life. We are crucified with you, buried with you, and we rise with you. And we start our celebration this morning in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. And we will bring up Nate. And we're wondering hey. how Nate is doing. Uh, Nate is doing pretty well. Why don't we light the Advent candles to start our service, and then I'll give you a little update. Uh, here we go. <clears throat> Takes a second when they're new. Here you go. Good job, sweetie. Thank you. Um, yeah, so it's good to see everybody this morning. Uh, for those who don't know, I had sinus surgery on Tuesday. Um, still a little out of it, pretty out of it, actually. Um, I'm very experienced with illness and chronic pain. I'm not that experienced with surgery, and it was surprisingly not fun, um, having people cut a bunch of my head away. Um, but I am getting better, and it, everything went well. The surgeon said it would, just went great. Um, no real surprises. Um, yeah. Yes, very exciting. There's like staph infection issues, but I think that'll go away. And um, yeah, so overall, it's going great. Very little bleeding, which is always the main concern after surgery. And so, yeah. On antibiotics. Yes, antibiotics, some pretty heavy pain meds which I'm not on at the moment, or this would be a lot more funny to watch. Um, 
but I got one in my pocket. Don't worry, maybe I'll break it out later and during the party we can have some fun. But um, yeah, so, but um, I'm very thankful everything went really well. Um, and the fact that it's a slightly slowly, slow recovery process is more an issue of me learning patience, I think, than anything else. So, so we'll just learn patience. But thank you all for your prayers. I really appreciate it. Uh, I'll take any more prayers you have uh, moving forward. But um, I'm not supposed to talk for long periods or sing yet. Hopefully this week I'll get the okay and I'll be up there on Sunday next week. And by the way, Addison, I know you, this is exactly what you didn't want. Addison's playing drums this morning. Thank you. Welcome. Don't worry. Nobody's going to look at you now or notice you or anything, and you won't be a distraction to anyone. We're just honoring you. That's all. So put your hand forward, and we'll bless Nate. We thank you, Father. We bless him. We thank you that he's back. The week after surgery, we pray that you'd continue to bring healing. We yes. pray that it would be better than they expected. Oh, More healing. Jesus. No complication. Right where the pain is taken. Yes. Jesus name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. Can we get keys, please? You can stay seated or you can stand up and worship the Lord together. Father, we have come to bow down in worship. Lifting up our hearts, we bow down in praise. With all of heaven, we, we are singing. Bright and morning star, your eyes blaze like fire. Shining like the sun, your
to meet you. Welcome. So you're in giving opportunity. Here's our offering box. And uh, any other announcements? That, oh, uh, 19th. Are we going to hear the girls again? That was wonderful. The, the cello duet. That was very nice, and so in two weeks, we'll hear the cellos again. Yeah, I think uh, we'll be, I think it's arranged one of five or six songs, so hopefully we'll do it right after church. Okay. And we'll bring some Christmas goodies. This will be like a nice coffee and tea music thing. So Wonderful. Well, we got here a little earlier than normal, and the tables were already set up beautifully. And I hear that some people came a day early to set up. 
Joel is only back one week, and now he's already working for us. I mean, he's already making it happen. So they came and cooked. So we've got a wonderful lunch. Uh, we got a good potluck. Whether you brought food or not, there's going to be more than enough, I guarantee you. So, uh, and Masumi and Sachiko were decorating here when, when I got here. Pardon? Okay, well, thank you, Sachiko. Way to go. <clears throat> it's fun to look around. That's quite a sweater. <laughs> and that, hey, you, you, we gotta see, you gotta see yours. Come over here. Also, Say it so. <laughs> Steve asked me if somebody made me wear this. Um, yeah, you come up too, Ruth. <laughs> so, if we had the ugly, ugly contest, you'd be the winner. We, I know that. What, my, yeah. I look like a grandma rake doll. <laughs> so, um, I, I, I also have a, a little announcement just to help us with production. Um, there's a mic on the stand here. If somebody starts talking, now, I've been, for two weeks now, I've been consuming our product at ah, home. Okay. And it's really important that we be able to hear people. So grab a mic or come and stand by the mic, or there's one up here, there's one on the stand. Um, and we thought you were going to talk about your sweater. We, and you know, he's, he's telling us how to do this thing. <laughs> Life is more than threads and cars and... <laughs> Good transition. <laughs> So if you could do that, that would be great. Thanks. And one more announcement. I, I see John and Masumi there. Yesterday we uh, went to the funeral for John's father. Uh, how old was he when he died, John? 97. 97. Lived a full life. And so it was a wonderful service that honored him, honored his memory. And here we got some people coming, Bob and Rhea. They're, they're regular visitors. All right. We'd like to show your sweater. What's the quality? Yeah, yeah. Oh! Okay, well, let's stand again and greet one another, and we'll uh, have some more worship. Yeah. Oh, holy night, the stars are brightly shining. It is the night of our dear Savior.
You're like starlight in the dark And the smiles can't conceal you Every glimmer is a spark Catching fire as you break through We're in a season called Advent, and Advent means coming. So we look back at his first coming, and we look ahead at his second coming, and they are very different. The first coming, there is no place for him, literally. There was no room for him. All his life, he came to die. And that's why we share in communion during Advent. Jesus said, this is my body given for you. Do it in remembrance. So we're thinking of Jesus. We're looking back, and we're thinking of the way he came the first time. We marvel. Literally, he had nothing. I'm going to share that in the sermon. He, he may have been the poorest person that ever lived because he had nothing. He owned a tunic, and that was gambled away at his crucifixion. So he had nothing. He died penniless. Then he will come again in power and glory. And he will take those who belong to him to be with him. So now, as we prepare our hearts for communion, we think of that first coming, the humiliation, the torment, the grief, the sorrow, the crucifixion, and what he did for us so that our sins could be forgiven. What a wonderful thing to remember. So we just pause for a moment. We confess silently if there's anything that any words that were spoken this morning that were out of place, you can just quickly remember it and quickly acknowledge it and receive his forgiveness. We don't concentrate on our sin. We confess it and let God take it. And so we pray as he taught us to pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, power, glory, forever and ever. And we confess the creed, the Apostles' Creed. It's up on the, put it up on the screen. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, 
who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. On the third day, he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. And so we remember how our Lord Jesus Christ, in the night that he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Take and eat. This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also, he took the cup, and when he had supped, when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. This cup is the new covenant in my blood, shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. So we're going to come up. This is for anyone who believes that life comes through the death of Jesus Christ and it embraces that as their own, that believes in Jesus. He said, well, you, re you remember my death until I come back. And so that's what we're doing as we take it. And we'll invite you to come up. You can just stand now and just come up. You can either receive it here, and then uh, you can take it while you're up here or go back to your seat. Either way, Luann and Steve will help us. Shepherds, God, and angels 
Now the body of our Lord Jesus Christ and his precious blood strengthen you, keep you steadfast unto life everlasting. Peace be with you. Amen. So we got some kiddos. I want to do a little children's sermon. So kids, I are, I are. Good. Why? Were you going to do it? You didn't tell me ahead of time. Well, you can do it if you want. Go ahead, go ahead. Okay, yeah, we can just sit right over here. Good place. What's this, Mike? Now, that's one that you'll use if if you have something to share with me. I'm going to ask you a question. Do you know where you were born? Literally, were you in a hospital or in a home? Do you remember? Did anyone ever tell you? Bella, do you know? Um, I was born in a hospital. In a hospital? Where? Do you know where? Here? You forgot. Okay. Does anyone else, do you know where were you in a hospital? Because my kids, some were born, one was born in a hospital and then birthing centers, places. You know what I remember? And home. And home. 
You know what? I remember they were very clean. We made sure that everything was very clean. Right? Because you don't want any dirt around when you get born. That's an important day in your life, isn't it? Very important. And so we want to make sure that things are clean. And then we read about Jesus. Where was he born? Yeah? In a stable. What's a stable? It's a place where you keep animals. And he was born in a stable? Why? Because there were no place, there was nowhere else where he could stay. That's exactly right. The Bible says there just wasn't any room. It was registration, tax time, and so a lot of people were in Bethlehem, and they had no place. And here the Son of God was being born, and do you know where they laid him? When, when Yeah. He, he laid in a cradle. A cradle. What Was it a cradle for kids or a cradle for animals? Do you remember? It was a cradle for kids. Okay. Okay. Yeah? Did you want to say something? Um, actually, the cradle was for, uh, for animal food. Oh, okay. So did it smell good? Did it smell good in the, in the stable? No. Probably. No. No, no, probably not. What, what's the point of this? Uh, it just seems so strange that God would come and not even have a place. He came not to have fun. Do you know why he came? He came to die. And so his whole life showed him going toward that place of death, and he did it for who? Did he did he do it for himself? He did it for us, didn't he? Yeah, he died for our sins. He died for our sins. He died for us. Way to go! He was not thinking about himself. His parents were not thinking of themselves. They were obedient to God. And so we want to thank Jesus. We want to thank him for his willingness to suffer and die so that we could belong to him. Shall we do that? You can keep your eyes open if you want, or you can close them. And we're going to say thank you. Father, your own son, he had nowhere. But he came for us. Thank you today. We honor Jesus, the Son of God. Amen. Okay. Wow, you kids sure look nice today. Yeah, you too. You too. Yeah, cool hat, buddy. Okay. We can go this way now. You came this way, now we're going to go that way.
I spent a long time preparing for this message, and I'm not going to preach it. I'm going to read it. I don't know if I've ever read a sermon before, but I, I was very careful on how I wrote it. I want every sentence to be heard. And so I'm going to read it to you, and then here's how I would like us to respond. The first way that we're going to respond is for, through prayer. So when I close my message, if you want to say a prayer of thanksgiving or a prayer of intercession, come to the mic. Don't do it from your seat, right, Tim? Come to the mic, and we'll have a time of prayer following. And then we'll have a discussion if, there, if time permits. It's not long. It, I, I'll probably read it in about... 12 minutes, 10, 12 minutes. We don't always deal well with the silence of God. A priestly couple hoped for children. The Bible says they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly. If you knew they were not going to have a child for a long time, would you tell them? God was silent. The neighbors were not. They gave her the B word, barren, as in barren desert. Zechariah was chosen by Lot for special priestly duty. Gabriel showed up at the temple. When the angel appears, people don't say, wow, good of you to come. They are terrified. These angels are not the Sunday school Christmas program variety. Once Zachariah gets over his fear in the presence of the stunning heavenly visitor, Gabriel gives the elderly priest the miraculous news that Elizabeth is finally, after decades of derision, going to have a child, and in fact, a very important son. The messenger says he will be great before the Lord and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. Sounds like this boy will bring a long-awaited revival. What an announcement. What a child. The priest responds with a question. How shall I know this? For I am an old man, and Elizabeth is advanced in years. Is she past childbearing years? Sounds like it. So we could call this a miracle birth. All the more reason for rejoicing. This is not a time for question. Come on, Zach. When was the last time an archangel showed up in church? Had resentment toward heaven set in? For hope deferred, the long wait must have wounded his heart, and he was caught off guard. He was given a nine-month timeout, and I wonder if Gabriel leaves shaking his head. Elizabeth conceives, and she goes into a holy hideout for five months. 
She doesn't want neighbors mocking. Elizabeth is hallucinating. She thinks she's going to have a child. Five months would stop brutal tongues. With a husband in forced silence, it's a quiet place at the home of the elderly couple. One secretly rejoicing at the favor of God and another silently regretting his less than optimal response. Up the road, 80 miles, and five months later, Gabriel makes a return trip to a young girl, not an old man. The archangel announces another miracle birth, this time without a husband. She asks, how shall this be? Not a question of doubt. She simply needs more information. The angel says that the Holy Spirit will come upon her. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. Then Gabriel tells her what happened to Aunt Elizabeth five months before, concluding with the statement, for with God... Nothing shall be impossible. He should know. What would your next words have been if you were Mary? Her sterling response is twofold. Listen to it. Behold, I am the bond slave, the doulos of the Lord. Then her final comment, let it be. According to your word, Gabriel leaves this trip marveling at God's choice. Mary heads out to Aunt Elizabeth's home in Judea, I suspect without giving this stunning news at this time to Joseph. She needs the support of an older godly woman who is also carrying a child following the amazing angelic report. From the time they meet in the doorway, the miracle encounter is full of the Spirit. Elizabeth says remarkably, why is it granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? Talk about revelation. And blessed is she who believed, not like an old man she knows, that there would be the fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. Who better could prepare Mary for a life of rejection? When she returns, she will be showing. Ridicule came to Elizabeth for having no baby it will come to Mary for having one. Elizabeth had been rejoicing in God during her retreat. He lifted the shame. They had been favored, not forgotten. She was so much in the spirit that when Mary arrived, her five-month-old baby leaped for joy in the womb. Sensing the presence of Jesus less than a centimeter in the womb of Mary. She prophesied, blessing Mary for believing the impossible word of the angel. After five rich months of seclusion, 
she takes three months to pour into the life of the young adult who would raise her Lord. Then Mary heads back to Nazareth, and the priest is almost through his restrictive timeout. Elizabeth gives birth a month later. When the priest writes down the name of the son, not Zachariah as tradition anticipated, but the name given by the angel, his speech returns. What is inside comes out, praise and prophecy. Resentment, if there had been some, had been dealt with. People are stirred when he announces the saving work of God and the contribution of this little baby will one day make. Mary leaves about a month before this birth. She returns to share two phenomenal messages with Joseph. Aunt Elizabeth is within a month of birthing a son who will be great before the Lord, and she, a little over three months along with the Messiah. Way over the top. What does she do now? Joseph doesn't believe her. She is shocked. She is dazed. She is afraid. She has been rejected by the man God gave to help raise the miracle child she is carrying. She is now without a husband in a town that does not have a good reputation and will not be treating her with anything close to respect. She will be mocked and abused more than her older relative was. Neither one sleeps well that night, Mary because she's afraid and her betrothed because God chooses to send him an angel in a dream. Joseph, son of David, do not fear. Oh, he was afraid as well. To take Mary as your wife. He couldn't make sense out of what she had told him. The only thing he thought he could do was to divorce her quietly and get on with his life alone. The angel brought clarity out of the confusion. For that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. What sounded like a terrible mistake was in fact a glorious revelation. This child will be the savior. The next morning, Joseph goes to Mary and apologizes and takes her as his wife. What relief to both of them. About five months later, she delivers her child 90 miles from home in the city of David, out back of a crowded motel where there was no room. 
This is how the eternal God chose to make the human appearance of his son the first time. Next time it will be different. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a feeding trough because there was no room in the inn. Everything was crowded. True his whole life, as he said, the Son of Man has what? No place to lay his head. His parents borrow a stable for his birth. His traveling ministry embarrasses his family. They want him home. He has loaned a donkey for his final entrance to Jerusalem. He borrows a room for the Last Supper. He doesn't have a funeral when he dies. And soldiers gamble for the one piece of property he may have owned, his tunic. And he gets a borrowed grave at the last minute. His death brings eternal redemption for all those who put their trust in the poorest man who ever lived and the richest, Jesus, the Son of God. When a prince is born, the world knows. Hardly anyone stirred when Jesus was born. A few shepherds, not on the highest end of the social totem pole. And a massive choir of angels in the sky announcing the birth, perhaps a bit baffled by the crowd they're singing to. Days later, as the Holy Family registers with the Roman official, he asks curtly, name? Joseph. Married? Yes. Name? Mary. Children? Yes. Number? One. Name? Jesus. We marvel, God. We are stunned. We would not have done it this way. We're kind of thrown off balance. But we thank you that you came to the lowest and the least. You came in humility and in humiliation. And we marvel that the center of heaven becomes despised on an earth that rejects him and kills him. But we go off the winners because we know your love, we know your blood, and we say today, thank you.
any others wish to speak to the Father and thanks or you go to the mic. We thank you, Lord, that your ways are higher, your ways are better, your ways are mysterious and glorious. We never would have scripted the way you brought your son to earth. Soften our hearts this season, Lord, that we see your higher ways in our lives, that we really surrender the comfortable, the known, that we don't get sucked into the message of the world. Jesus, the poorest and the richest, is also the greatest success. And Lord, as we pursue your heart, help us truly to strip away the things that don't matter and pursue you the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And just thank you so much, Father God, and just revealing to me so much lately about just who you are. I mean, goodness, you've created the universe, all these galaxies and planets, and yet you sent your only son to us who are so undeserving. It's just unfathomable the love that you did through just giving us your son to do what he did, Lord. We just don't understand that love. And just thank you so much for that and for doing that for me. I just pray, God, you would help me to live wholly, completely for you, your will in my life. And help me to love like you loved. Help me to love like you love, Jesus. Amen. Let's talk about it now. 
if you have something to ask or something to share, you want to use a mic so you can come over here. I can hand it to you. If you have questions or comments, feel free. everything on them. I know it's really interesting, Paul, that you talked about a lot about the silence of God. And that's been such a theme for me just lately. And, um, you know, it's interesting just coming to this place of God really showing me who he really is. And, um, and I just, I'm at a place where, gosh, how dare I question his sovereignty? How dare I even complain about things, you know? Because, Mm -hmm. I mean, good grief, who am I, you know? (laughs) So that's just where I'm at right now, and I just am so amazed at his unbelievable, um, just as who he is, his existence, his goodness, and we have no right to question, really, what he's doing and what he's done and, and his silence, you know. There's a reason for it. I mean, maybe we just can't handle it. Mm-hmm. We just can't handle what's going on behind the scenes or whatever it is. But, you know, we just have to continue to trust, you know, this amazing person who, who is God. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you. I marvel at Mary. She was a good choice. The way she pulled it off says in Luke that she kept, what did she say? What does it say? She kept all these things and very different from what she would have expected if it's the Son of God. You know, she got the angel to come and oh my, this is going to be quite a birth. Yeah, it was quite a birth. I'm reminded of um, the story in, I think, John 10, where um, Jesus approaches the pool of Siloam, I think. There was a guy there that was crippled since birth. And just the waiting, the readings that you gave, Paul, about all the people waiting for something to happen, for a promise to be fulfilled, and it happened. And Mary has to come to people and say, yeah, I got the Savior in my stomach. You know, just the, ooh, sure, kind of a thing. And keeping them pondered in her heart was probably a good place for that right now. And for those people who are waiting by the pool of Siloam for healing, the guy was there a long time, and healing came. So everyone that we heard about today was waiting for something, was waiting for a Messiah, and it happened. So God's promises are being fulfilled, 
and for those who need healing. We pray for healing. Yes. Because healing comes. It comes quickly. It might come over a period of time. But it is coming. Okay. For those in prison, the doors are opening and will be opened. Healing is coming. And to stand up. I think the Lord wants to say to us to have hope. Like Paul said, nothing is impossible with God. Many of you have been praying, as I have, for friends and people in your family that have, are not saved. And we know in the word that it says God would have all men to come to the faith, come to the truth, and, and be saved. So we know that already. But we have to be reminded that we as Christians, our, our, our role is to stand in the gap and to, it says, the fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. And I want to, ex, ex, uh, I want to underline the word fervent. Fervent, because our job is to stand in the gap and to pray for those that are going in the wrong direction, that are making wrong choices, that seem to have un, you know, unfathomable uh, circumstances and barriers to overcome, and they're still making wrong choices. And we've been praying for them for ages. But um, one of the saints said, don't forget, your job is to be reminded, like in 2 Corinthians 10, 4, it says, the weapons of our warfare have divine power to demolish strongholds. Whatever the stronghold is in that person's life that you're praying for, break that thing off. And don't give up because the enemy wants you to get worn down and just say, aha, I got another one on my side because you just gave up because nothing was happening. No, the fervent prayer of a righteous man, fervent every day, every day, every day, every day. And don't give up, even though you don't see results. That's not your job. That's the Holy Spirit's job. But your job is to push back the darkness. And your job is to pray right now. Pray. pray. That, that was good. Uh, yeah. Heavenly Father, we pray for all those in our families that we've been praying for ages, and it just seems like nothing's happening, nothing's happening. And it's just like... Come on, God, we'll just pray in the spirit. We don't know what to pray anymore. We get discouraged. We come against the spirit of discouragement, oppression, depression, all the strongholds of the enemy, whatever they are, drugs, sex, whatever it is that's holding our friends and uh, family members back from accepting the Lord. We know that you want them in the kingdom. And as I said to my friend, uh, I do not want this girl, this 15-year-old great-granddaughter of a friend of mine, to leave this planet until I can see and, and know in my spirit that she'll be sitting at the marriage feast of the Lamb. In Jesus' name, oh, amen. Amen. Boy, I'd like Janice praying for my family. So today I went uh, to get gas, and before that I went to Walgreens, and as I was leaving, I said to the guy, I said, hey, what can I pray for you for? And uh, he said, I'm okay, thanks. So I got gas, and I went in, and I said, what can I pray for you for, as I paid him? And he said, uh, my divorce. I said, oh, I'm sorry to hear it. He said, it wasn't my idea. I said, could I pray with you? He said, yeah. So I had a screen. I reached onto the screen, and he reached to me, cupped his hands, and I prayed for Bill. 
who's going through a divorce. I'm going to pray for him right now, for Bill. Father, we pray for Bill. We are sorry for what's happening in his life. And we know that there are 100 million people like Bill out there who are struggling, who don't have hope. We pray that you would use your people to bring encouragement and to bring hope in Jesus' name. He was genuine, and I, I finished. He said, thank you so much. And he didn't say thank you. Thank you. He was very, very uh, grateful. I saw a, 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 somebody with a hand up a minute ago. Yeah. Um, I, I just think of, uh, like, we know Jesus was a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief, and he didn't have anything. But I like to think also that um, he didn't really need anything, it seemed like, you know, he didn't need anything. I mean, he wasn't skipping meals. Maybe he was, but uh, I don't think that crowds would just swarm that guy if he was just a downer. You know, I don't think he was a gloomy. He was acquainted with grief because... Like you, with this guy that's going through a divorce, you didn't shy away from him. You just entered right into his pain with him and probably took half of it off of him. And I think Jesus was acquainted with grief and sorrow, but I don't think he went around grieving and sorrowful all the time, right? I mean, I think he was, he had the fruits of the Spirit more than anybody had the. And, uh, they so thought he loved. was a drinker because he was so happy. Yeah. John was the sober one, but he was the guy who was out there going to parties, going yeah. to dinner engagements. Yeah, that's the part I just don't want to forget that he was he was probably a blast. Right I mean, little kids loved him. That's like a that's like the magic there, right? Dogs and kids, if they come up to you, <laughs> you can't be that bad. And and uh, I just think he was a fun guy. And then, and the other thing was, uh, you know, I love that line uh, onto us. A child is born unto us, a son is given. Mm -hmm. So it just wasn't the baby born, but he was a gift to us, the first yeah. Christmas gift from the Father. And he gives us his own son. I mean, just it's just so cool. I just think that Jesus had to be such a fun, cool guy to know, you know. But, well, we don't. We know him, right? So he is. Yeah. <laughs> well, doesn't it say he was anointed with the oil of joy above his brethren? And he I delight to do thy will, O oh my God. Psalm 45 says he has the oil of gladness above all his Yeah, yes. Say it. Just Psalm 45, it's a um, messianic psalm. It says Jesus has the oil of gladness above all of his companions. And actually the happiest day it talks about is the day of his wedding when he gets to meet us. Hmm. Yeah. So yeah. That, that's in the word. I was just so um, challenged, Paul, of what draws God's attention. I think about Jesus picking any time in history to come back, to come to the earth, and then anyone in history to spend his family with. And he chose a servant in Nazareth named Mary. And then the people, the angels chose to reveal this truth to were shepherds. Just the things that drew Jesus and the Father's attention on the earth and how humble and how grateful of hearts they were drawn to. And it challenges me to be one who lives like that. To say, God, I want your attention. I want you, when you look down on heaven, to be drawn to me. 
to say, I want to spend Christmas with that family, with that house. And what does it look like to have a house that Jesus feels comfortable in? Those are the things that I pull out of that story. And I'm like, Jesus, do in, your, in my life what you did in Mary's life so that you'd be drawn to me and want to spend time with me on Christmas. Love it. Um, your yeah. sweater really is nice. I mean, his is, a, <laughs> uh, that's a joke. But your, yours is, I picked is it really out. <laughs> I picked it out for him. And <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Amy just gave you a good mark. You're redeemed. Very festive. <laughs> I just, just having that time to hear you tell the story, just from the sweetness of what, how God spoke through you, it just felt magical. Mm-hmm. And my just simple thoughts are how the ways of God is he works over long periods of time and he works in obscurity and when like that's normal for we are his workmanship mm-hmm. we're created in Christ Jesus unto good works but it, it takes long periods of time for his preparation and much obscurity because in the secret places he teaches us wisdom mm-hmm. has to be hidden and secret just the ways of God and to remember how God wrote the story of our Savior that way and he's writing our stories you know it just it does fill you with new hope that God is writing a good story here the good stories always have the dark chapters that don't make sense and we just just keep leaning into his goodness even when we don't have the strength even to hold on sometimes we just keep leaning towards his goodness and he's going to get us there he's going to show to our whole heritage all of us that love our children he's going to show his goodness through our own life stories as well and his faithfulness we thank God for you in our men's group this morning. For We thank God for Tim and for Ruth. And we know how you live. We know how you've opened your home and you've opened your heart and you've uh, recycled young men like Chris and given him a strength and a future. He's a delight. We, we know there's a struggle. There's a struggle at, at, uh, with someone else that uh, do we want to share that okay um, yeah Th- thank you for showing us something about how to live with yeah. openness to God and openness to people taking in people you're a gift to us yeah anybody else want to share I-, I was just gonna make a statement about Mary, um, ever since I was a kid, I thought Mary was the hero of the story when it comes to the Christmas story. Of course, it's about Jesus. Um, 
but he just was born. Like, you, you don't have a lot of agency in that. It's yeah. just sort of, I mean, he made his choice beforehand, before the incarnation, certainly. But I've always been in awe of Mary, and that, that, had, that awe hasn't stopped. It's grown, I think, each year. The more I think about it, the more I... Yeah, it's just, she's pretty amazing. Like, if I, if something happened this afternoon so that I couldn't watch the last half of the Vikings game, I'd be a little annoyed. That would be my natural response, to be a little annoyed at that, because that's my plan, and I would like to do my plan. Thank you very much. And here's Mary, and an archangel comes in and says, God would like to blow up your entire life. Completely blow it up. It will be nothing like what you thought. All your hopes and dreams, it's something else now because you've been chosen for a higher purpose. And how is she not at least a slight bit like, okay, but there's a party next week, you know, that would be cool if I could still do that. Um, No. She's just like, okay. If this is what you want, God, I'm in. And that's the the level of humility and selflessness there is just crazy to me and and uh she struggled because everyone knew that jesus was born in fornication when he was 30 years old they said the the leaders the religious leaders who lived in jerusalem said we were not born of fornication so they knew that he was an illegitimate child and that mary had a problem Uh, and so she lived with that all her life until she died. Mm. You know, it's interesting how young she was. What was she, about 15 or 16 or something? And she didn't just get to that place right away to be surrendered to God. And I just think about must how her parents must have guided her in faith and how there was trials in her life, maybe, that got her to that faith, to that place of complete surrender. It's, um, it's astounding to, mm-hmm. that she was able to get to that place of complete surrender at such a young age. You know, that's yeah. really, it has, there had to be preparation for her. Why don't we, close uh, unless there's anybody else okay Uh, it's a special season isn't it it's a holy season it's a fun season wonderful season for us to draw closer to the God who loves us and sent his son so we pray for that for our families and our relatives for our celebrations, we pray for the parties, that you will be right at the center of all that we do this season. We thank you for this Christmas season, this Advent. And Jesus, we look forward to your return in glory, not in humility, in glory. Every eye will see you, and we will too. And so the Lord bless you and keep you The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord look upon you with his favor and grant you his peace in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. 
Amen.